Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So today, uh, you know, I've been doing my, my due diligence and I've been looking at like Eric's background and just to kind of hear the things that he's been into and, and what he's been doing is, is kind of like, it's crazy. So, you know, I always give whoever I'm interviewing a particular nickname and I was like, okay, what do, what do I give this man? What kind of nickname could I give him? Like he, he's one of those guys that pretty much have done everything that you'd want to do. Like when it comes to being uncaged, he represents that through and through. So I was like, let me just, let me figure it out. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to call him the wild man boss. That is going to be his name moving forward. <laughs> That is his name for, for this particular episode. So, Eric, the floor is yours. Why don't you tell audience a little bit more about you and, and what we're we going to be covering today? Yeah, man, that's awesome. I love that. The wild man boss. It fits right into what, the work that I do because, I, I, you know, one of the things we do is help men tap back into that wild part of ourselves, that wild man that's within all of us. And, uh, yeah, for me, it was missing for most of my life. And it's been a journey, brother. It's been a journey it's going from you know, little scared mama's boy raised by a single mom. Uh, you know, my joke is always, she raised me like a veal. I had to be soft and tender and not get bumped or bruised. <laughs> and knowing that wasn't really what it was about and wanting to tap into that wild man and swing all the way to the other side where got involved in sports and martial arts and had my own uh, gyms, had my own martial arts school and then became a journalist. And like you said, done all these crazy wild things. And, and I was, a, fortunately, I was a men's lifestyle journalist. So, you know, anything that, that men love is what I got to cover. Oh. So cars and uh, adventure travel and gear and gadgets and booze and all of that stuff uh, is what I really covered. And they would take us for adventure travel. I was writing for Discovery Channel at the time for discovery.com. And they would take us on these incredibly insane trips and we would be rock climbing and zip lining and whitewater rafting and, you know, mountain biking and four wheeling and all of this. And it was like, wow, this feels right. Like this feels natural for me to be outside in nature, challenging myself, scared to death half the time, to be honest, especially in the beginning and then kind of moving forward. So for me, yeah, that's really kind of my background. Went from that into the journalism, got through that. And then now, like I said, I work with uh, men. I have a company, Bold Men Adventures, and we take guys out on the trips like I went on when I was a journalist. And that was kind of the idea was, you know, get out of the house, get out of the office, get out of your head and get the hell outside and just start experiencing that wild part of you. It's in all of us. Uh-huh. It's a matter of tapping into it and doing it the right way. So um, along the way, like I said, the stuff from there, done a lot of speaking, best-selling author. My next book is dropping in a couple of months. So we, um, yeah, we got a lot going on in there to get not just me as wild man boss, but get all your listeners to be a wild man boss. How's that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, I mean, I, I, I like to like, time travel back when, when I'm having these interviews, because again, obviously who you are today is all, uh, a, you know, it was 
from the seeds that were planted earlier on in your life. So and like looking at like your, your general resume on LinkedIn, I mean, obviously you hold a lot of like marketing and design background, right? And I mean, we actually share a commonality in, in, in education. I mean, I actually went to a school that you actually th- taught at, at, at a period of time. So I want to kind of talk about like that genre of your life back in like the art institute of art, art institute days. And yeah. kind of, like, how did you get into like the marketing and how did you, you know, like, what are you doing now to leverage what you got from back then? And, and how are you using like that graphic design background now? Yeah, it's a great, great question. So for me, it was, it was really interesting. I was living in New York at the time. I was running restaurants in Manhattan. I was in the restaurant business for a very, very long time. Originally wanted to be a chef. So there's always kind of a creative side to me. And I, and I look back on, you know, when mom was raising me like a veal and I had to sit very quietly, it was either read or draw. So I did a lot of drawing, a lot of coloring, a lot of reading, a lot of comic books. You know, that was kind of an escape for me, which I'm sure same for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I got into that fantasy world, sci-fi, comic books to escape. And, and I, I really kind of nurtured that creative side of me. And being a chef, being in the restaurant business, that was part of that. But I was burning out, man. I was burning out. I was still fairly young, um, wanted to do something different. And for me, it was either law school or... That was it, basically. At that time, it was it was it was law school. So I took the LSATs, scored really high on them, like top two or three percent in the country. Got recruited by all these law schools and realized, holy shit, man, I don't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> all my friends that were lawyers were miserable; they didn't want to do anything. And I was having a conversation with my dad, and I'm like, Dad, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I really don't want to be in the restaurant business anymore. Lawyer, you know, I'm, I'm good at it obviously, but I don't know that's what I want to do with my life. Uh And he said to me, it's too bad you never did anything with your art. You were really talented at that. And that never struck me that I could make a living doing that. So I looked into it and um, there was an art school in Miami. I had moved from New York uh, down to Miami at that time. I auditioned for it, got a spot and excelled at it and found, wow, I love this. And when I really look at it, and this is a good thing for those of you that are listening, my experience was I looked at law and I looked at graphic design, create, you know, being creative. And in law, it was really about destroying. It was arguing, destroying the opposition's position on whatever it was, winning, dominating, conquering. And on the creative, on the uh, graphic design side, it was creating, making things beautiful and new and whatever. And at that time in my life, that's where I leaned more. So I went into graphic design and ended up having a great career in that. I went from, uh, only did one year in art school. I'd already had a degree and, and a company down in Miami hired me to be head of product development. I worked with them for many years. Then I founded an internet company right before the dot bomb. We were doing really creative stuff there. Got hired by an entertainment company to be their art director. And they had a magazine. I got involved in magazines. And next thing I know, I'm spinning off and I had a uh, publishing company, a, a, I'm sorry, production company for independent publishers, which was beautiful. I had big name corporations were my clients. I was creating vanity magazines for them. I got to be creative. I got to have a business. And from doing that, I fell into journalism. I started writing. And to me, it was just from visual to written. It just kind of seemed natural. And I started getting into journalism and um, doing a lot of writing. And after the, every the crash in 09, all my clients decided to stop doing their magazines. 
So I was really just doing the journalism, which was an awesome job. Just didn't pay much. So I found myself looking for you know, something else to do. I found a, a very large company was looking for sales copywriters, which at the time I didn't even know was a thing. And I, again, had to audition for that. You had to write a whole thing, wrote it, got the job, ended up training with them and thought, wow, I have the writing side, you know, copywriting for marketing, the design angle. I have the design eye and the creativity and I merged those. And that's what kind of launched that part of my career was using both sides, the written and the design, and then understanding what people want, what they're looking for, what's going to engage them, what's going to hit them here to get them to, um, take action huh. and do whatever. So that's kind of how I got started. It was like kind of all over the place and then boom, right into that. I mean, I, I definitely appreciate you kind of like telling us the insights and the nuances of that particular story. Like, I mean, obviously I grew up in New York as well too. And New York is one of those cities to where when you are allowed to go outside, it is completely hard for someone to come back in without bumps bruises because it's a concrete <laughs> jungle right so yeah. i want you kind of like what kind of kid were you i mean obviously you're saying that your mom was kind of hindering you and saying that you can't come home with anything yeah. any bruises patting yeah. you up like you know literally putting pads all over you but in reality like were you the kid that was purposely riding the bike into trees and crashing and getting bruises and coming home with broken yeah. bones intentionally just to piss her off no and you know what that's what it, that was part of it man was that i was literally the good little boy mm. i was the oldest so my brother got to do all that stuff Right. Cause he was like, you know, he came second. So he was able to like, you know, whatever he wanted to do, but I felt like I needed to be the good little boy. And I'll tell you, that's part of what really got me as I was growing up. Cause it just didn't feel right. I, I, I had that side of me, exactly what you're saying. I wanted to ride my bike off the ramp and down a thing. And, you know, and, and when I finally, so I'll, I'll give it to you this way. So no good boy, the whole time kept that part of me under wraps made me really angry. I had a lot of anger and rage in my teens and I, and I didn't know how to channel it. I didn't have any role models or mentors that could, that could show me how to unleash that we'll say in a, in a really positive manner, right. That would benefit me. So it stayed kind of locked up, but when I got to, so one of the big things I wanted to do, and I, and I can't remember the guy's name, but there was, and you may know, cause you grew up in New York. When we grew up, there was a commercial for a guy had a karate school and he would advertise all the time on TV. It was like either judo or karate. It might've been Jerome Mackey. I don't know why that name is coming up, but it was a, like this judo school, a karate school. Man, I was this little kid and I was just fascinated watching this, right? And then I would watch Kung Fu theater on Sunday oh, afternoons with my dad and we would just, you know, yeah. and um that's all I wanted to do. My mom was terrified of it. It was weird. It was foreign. She didn't understand it. And, you know, it was bad enough. I wanted to play baseball and football, mm -hmm. but that she knew how I could get hurt. This was like unknown. Like there was a million ways in her mind I can get hurt. So what I did was the minute I went away to college, absolutely the first night that I was online in the dining hall, there was a sign up on the wall for a, a Taekwondo club. Uh -huh. And I, I ripped off one of those little tabs and I got a hold of them and I showed up on the thing. And I, and I will tell you, she was right. I broke bones. I had bloody noses. I had bumps and bruises, but you want to know, you want to know something? The truth is I loved it. I loved every minute of it. It just felt right. Like to be in there banging around, testing myself, challenging myself taking the lumps, taking the bruises, getting those battle scars, 
learning from them and then getting back out there and doing it again. So I really did kind of flip that. And once I got out and got into college, it was like out from under mama's apron, it's time to go. And it was probably one of the best things I ever did. So, you know, and I'm being facetious when I say this, but it sounds like you grew up kind of like you always hear that, like the story of the preacher's daughter. Right. And then once she breaks out, she's completely opposite of everything that the preacher ever envisioned her to be. Right. <laughs> so it sounds like that, that's what you were. You was like, ah, I'm going to be hindered. And then once you got free, you became uncaged. And then like the rest is history. I mean, obviously, you, like you said earlier, you worked for Discovery and with, with the Discovery stuff. I mean, obviously that, that comes with traveling. So you had an opportunity to, to travel the world. You had an opportunity to do things that most people dream about most people wish but now you have this business that's designed to make those wishes a reality so just talk about like your business how that's set up and what are you doing to help people now yeah man i appreciate that so it's funny that preacher's daughter is pretty interesting i had never thought of that but it is it's when you're forbidden to do something but you know it's in here right we know it's in there we want to just go for that and in a lot of ways if you were just taught and I'm just going to use myself as an example, how to unleash that in the proper way. And a lot of young men have. Unfortunately, many, many more of us have not been taught to how to unleash that in the right way. Um, it's a lot safer, right? And it's a lot more natural and real. So that kind of goes along with what the business is. So I, you know, I've done a lot of things, like you said, and I was miserable. I, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't go in. My last job that I had was a corporate job, high paying, high powered. Um, you know, I was running a publishing company a financial publishing company. And it got to the point where I just, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I couldn't go in, man. And I just, I said to my mentor, we were doing a, an event. And this is a guy who's been, you know, in the work, human consciousness, um, you know, personal growth, development. That's what he does. And he grew up the exact opposite of me. He was raised on a cattle ranch as a cowboy and then went into the Marines. Hmm. So it was interesting. Like we were on opposite ends of the spectrum and we kind of met here you know, well, maybe a little more this way, but we met like here. And he really is kind of the one that, that led me into that lion part of me. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and unleashing that wild man. So part of it was, I said to him, I said, you know, Rob, I said, I can't do this anymore, man. I got to do something else. I got to do something along these lines where I'm helping men who are raised like me, who felt like I felt, who really know there's more to their life. I want to move them forward. Um, and he just looked at me and he smiled and he goes, well, thank God we've been waiting for you for a long time. And that's when I knew it was right for me. And so part of it is, and I'll just start with the adventure part. So um, the company is the Bold Men Initiative. It's about getting to men in whatever stage you're at, man. It could be that your business is thriving, but your personal life is crap. And you want to really kind of fulfill that side of you or you're, you're working like I was and you don't feel the fulfillment. You don't feel that passion for what it is that you're doing and you want to find that in your life. Um, or you could be just feeling like, yeah, man, I, you know, I've been married for a while and I'm really happy, but I have no male friends. I, I, you know, I want to go traveling and do hiking and mountain biking and all these things that I want, hunting, fishing, whatever it may be. And I don't have any guys to go with. Uh -huh. And I don't really know very many men. And that's a big problem for a lot of men that I found when I got into this is they've done studies, depends on which one you look at, but anywhere from 70 to 95% of men, when they're asked, who would you turn to? Do you have one good male friend you would turn to in a time of need? And, and not, you know, 70 to 90 something percent say, no, I don't, I don't have anybody. Uh -huh. So a lot of men are just kind of resigned or lost or untethered or angry. We can feel this in society. 
And one of the things for me was let's get these guys outside because mm -hmm. nature is so healing. I, if you've been out, you know, I mean, you get out, you put me outside. I don't care if it's my backyard, lakeside, a mountaintop, the beach, as long as I'm out, it's a whole different energy and I can feel it and it's healing and I feel natural there. And so I started a company called Bold Men Adventures. And what we do is we just put together these amazing trips for men. We put them together around kind of a, a few hours of workshopping every day. So for me, I call them adventure masterminds. Uh -huh. So we do, you know, all the guys are together. We stay in the same place. We keep the group small and we make all our meals together. We eat all our meals together. We do a couple of hours of workshop in the morning on, you know, these are the things to know to unleash that beast in the right way. What are you tapping into? What are you feeling? In my work, I use the four foundational archetypes that my mentor and I came up with, the warrior, the lover, the warrior, obviously, that's that, that aggressive side of us, that leadership, that courage, boldness, uh, you know, maverick, adventurous side of us. And that lover side is our hearts. It's wisdom and inspiration and passion and abundance and all those things that make life so juicy. You integrate those. Your warrior side and your lover side, you integrate them, you're operating as king. So we go on these trips, we go through the warrior, the lover, the king, archetypes on the few days, a couple hours of that, and then boom, right into experience, get out, challenge yourself, whether it's a mountain bike up a mountain, uh, which we've done, you know, six and a half mile incline on mountain bikes in 90 degree heat in uh, Montana and Glacier National Park. We've done shark fishing, we've done uh, whitewater rafting, we've done um, hiking, a lot of hikes zip lining, all these things like facing fears, challenging yourself, getting outside, doing it with a group of really good men who have that same kind of feeling you have of wanting to unleash that beast part of us in the right way, tap more into that heart side so they can be a better father, a better husband, a better leader, a better boss, a better whatever it is. Get that and then have that brotherhood of men around you. And get outside in nature, have a little bit of an adventure. And you'd be surprised, man. I was very surprised how many men are like, didn't know this existed. It's what I wanted my whole life. I just wanted to get out and do some stuff. I'm tired of doing the couples thing with my wife and then the other couple. And I've got to be friends with him because the wives are friends and we don't have anything to say to each other. Or my other buddies just want to plan a golf trip and get drunk every night. I want to do something more meaningful, man. I want to... I want to get to know me. I want to explore me a little bit. I want to be the best man I can be, push myself, know what I'm capable of, and do it in a group. That's what Bold Men Adventures is about, man. I'll tell you what, we go on these trips. There's nothing more fulfilling than, than watching this happen. So we got to get you out on one, man. You got to I mean, come yeah, out yeah, experience this. I mean, definitely. I mean, I think just the, the title of it and, and, and the nickname that I gave you, I mean, it, obviously it represents what this entire podcast is about. It's about being boss and cage. And I was going through your Instagram account and you had a quote by George Lucas on there, which I think it's a phenomenal oh. quote. And the quote was that we are all living in cages with the doors wide open. And I mean, that's what you represent. Like the reality is, is that you're just removing the cages that people already don't even know that the doors are unlocked to. They're just sitting yeah, in cages I mean being slaves and not realizing they could just walk the hell out and do whatever the hell 
how they want to do. So I definitely appreciate and commend you for stepping into that space and giving men the opportunity to, to live as they should live. So like my next question is kind of like defining you as an individual. If you can choose three to five words to define you, what would those three to five words be? Uh, and it's interesting you say that because I do, this is one of the exercises that we do. And I think, you know, one of the things that I always say is I am a wise, I'm a, I am a bold, wise, visionary hmm. king. Hmm. Right. Because those words resonate with me. Right. Bold being on the warrior side. If you got to be bold, you got to be courageous. You got to have all that to get going wise. I am all about sharing wisdom. I, I think I told you this when you and I spoke before. I'm an open book, man. I mean, if I if I have failed, screwed up, made a mistake, whatever it is, I got to own that. It's a big, beautiful battle scar is what I call them. It's a big, beautiful battle scar that. If I look at it, what lesson did I learn and then what? lesson can someone else get from that? So I always say in my groups, offer wisdom, not advice. Hmm. Nobody wants advice. Like if I said to you, SA, hey, listen, I know you do a podcast. You should do this on your podcast. You're like, immediately, screw you, man. What are you telling me what to do? Like, I'm not listening to you. But if I have a podcast and I said to you, hey, SA, listen, man, I got a podcast. Here's what I did. Here's the result that I got from it. Take from that what you want. That's wisdom. All right, that's guiding by having been the example, having been through it. So bold, wise, and then visionary. You've got to be able to see the big picture, plan the big thing. And vision is a big part of what I do is my vision for Bold Men Adventures is a world of bold men living unapologetically, living and leading as kings. Because the king is the integration of the warrior and the lover. So that's the king part for me and being the example. So bold, wise, visionary king is what comes up right now in this moment as we're talking. So let's take that, right? I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. you had an opportunity to, to make many trips and to influence many men over the years. Mm -hmm. And like nothing's ever perfect. There's always going to be someone that's either bucking the system or against the grain to a certain extent. So I want you to talk about without naming names, the worst case that you've had with somebody coming in, not realizing that they're a king, there may be a court jester, they may be mm -hmm. looking at themselves as more of a, 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 a lower echelon than owning the responsibility of being a king. Like, yeah. how did you help them to overcome that? That's a great question, man. I love that. And, you know, we had that happen on a, on a trip last year. Um, and it was an interesting situation and it was, it was interesting how we get there. So, you know, without turning this into a whole thing and just kind of getting drilled down into it, there are certain things that will, and I, I, I hesitate to use the word trigger because it's become such an overused word triggering things, but we'll use it in a, in a way now that just denotes what happened. And there are certain things, words, phrases that may trigger someone based on a past experience, uh -huh. right? Or something in their life that happened that was maybe negative, traumatizing, painful, whatever it may be. And it brings that to the forefront again. So we had an instance on uh, one of the trips where, you know, we make an agreement when we're on these trips. It's us, it's the men. We're, we're forming this brotherhood. There's eight, nine, 10 of us. Like I said, I keep them small groups, you know, of them and my team. I have a team of three. So it's, it's, a small group. I want to get to know you. Like, I want you to bond with these guys. And so one of the things we say is, look, for the next three, four days, 
it's us. It's just the brothers, right? We are going to be here for each other. We are going to, you know, hold each other accountable, push each other, challenge each other, and support each other, right? Warrior, lover. So push, challenge, hold accountable, but also support, cheer on, honor, all that kind of stuff, right? That's getting into King. And a couple of the guys were joking around about, hey, man, let's sneak out tonight and go to one of the local places and pick up a couple of women, bring them back. Right. And it was a joke. They were kidding around because, you know, it's like how many of us spend a lot of time with other men, period, let alone like 24 seven for three days, four days. So this guy heard that and he was in a bad marriage. And so he got excited. He's like, wait a minute. I'm away. These guys want to do this. I'm in. Let's go. And they were like, hey, man, we're just kidding around. And he got angry. And he's a pretty big guy. I would say like, you know, 6'2", 6'3". He got angry. And he was in this mood. I didn't know any of this happened. Now, we do a thing at the end of every day. I call it bourbon and bonfire. So I tell the guys, no drinking. But there's a little bit of drinking. We'll get everybody like a little bit of bourbon or a beer. The end of the day, one, right? So you just kind of can take the edge off. We got a little something to toast with. We sit around a bonfire that we build. We talk about the day. What'd you get out of today? What'd you learn about yourself? Did you fulfill your intention for the day? Did you conquer a fear? Did you learn, you know, what we do that, but he was sitting there all angry and I'm like, brother, what's going on? And he just unleashes and how this is bullshit. And you're, and he's yelling at me and how this whole thing is nonsense. And I, I should be able to do whatever I want to do. And I said, Hey, my game, my rules. I am the king here, Right. You're the king of your own thing. That's great. But you agreed. You made an agreement to be here and be with the guys. He wanted to, I never signed anything. I never, I said, (laughs) I'm not talking about signing, man. Man to man. We had a conversation. We had an agreement. This is what this weekend is about. These are the ground rules, right? No women, no leaving the campsite, no excessive drinking, no fighting, no whatever. We're here for the brotherhood. Well, I want to renegotiate my deal. <laughs> so I said, so I had to get, now he's bigger than me, right? So I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a decent sized guy. I'm six foot 185. He's six, two, couple hundred, maybe plus, mm-hmm. but I, I couldn't let any of this go. And I'm good in King mode, mm-hmm. but sometimes you got to go full on berserker warrior mm-hmm. and let him know, like, I will, it's over. Uh-huh. And I had to do that. And um, it it scared him. <laughs> and a couple of the guys that were in the thing, I, I got up and I stood up and I said, there is no renegotiation. And I just kind of got in his face and I said, you and I had an agreement. I'm holding to mine. I'm holding you to hold your end of the deal. Uh-huh. Then he went right into, well, now you're trying to intimidate me. And now I'm afraid. And now you're making, he uh-huh. went right to the other side. And it went back and forth for a little bit. And then what was, what was really interesting was you talk about, wisdom now right and experience that's shit you can't learn in a book facts you can't like you know i always tell guys you can't teach a kid to ride a bike with a powerpoint presentation you got to put his ass on the bike and let him fall down and skin his knee a couple times Mm -hmm. and he'll figure it out so this was one of those experiences so it was a couple of the guys that were there had never seen anything like this before and they they like were like this then they realized i was never i mean if i had to 
fight him or I wouldn't have fought him, fought him. It would have been like a restraining type of thing on my end. But they understood why I had to go where I went. And he even got it later. Like he came to me after and he was like, thank you for that, man. Like I needed like an ass kicking. Sometimes we need as men, sometimes we need a good ass kicking. Uh And there's nothing wrong with that when it comes from King, because why? Because it is like, I didn't yell at this guy and get in his face because I hated him or I wanted to fight him. Uh It was from here. It was love. It was like, I could see that shit is what was messing this guy's life up. Uh That's what was holding him back from his greatness. And if I had to get in his face and break that habit of his, break that pattern, make him see what he was being, who he was being, I'm doing that out of love. And let me tell you something. When I, my mentor does that with me and I'll fucking hate him for like a day. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, wow, man, thank God for that guy. Because I was off of here being an absolute asshole and not knowing it blind spot. Huh. He had the courage and the boldness to make me see it. Uh-huh. He says the hard shit. Nobody wants to hear. It made me do that. And I passed that on to this guy and the other men that were watching were like, I mean, I get it. You know, sometimes you just got to beast up and be that for someone to snap them out of it if they're not getting it from the other way. So for me, it was a really hard, you know, it was a great lesson for me, great lesson for them. Some of the guys on that trip still talk about it to this day. They're like, man, I learned something from that. Like sometimes you got, you can bring the beast out of love. Uh And and that will really, that's a, a, a difference than bringing the beast up out of anger and hate and wanting to tear down. So I don't know if that answers your question yeah, or got yeah. on a tangent, but hopefully it was good. Uh, some good wisdom for some of the guys listening. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like, let's just talk about that for a minute. Cause I mean, obviously you, earlier on, you were talking about like how, how your mom, you know, for, for lack of better choice of words, c- kind of kept you captive. Right. Mm-hmm. And then as you grew up, you, you started to find outlets to kind of grow into who you are right now. So when did you find the fact that one, that you had a beast and, 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 and again, I want to say this in, in a question that's formatted in the sense that, okay, anyone that's listening to this podcast, they can hear you. They can hear your desire. They can hear your passion. They can hear your King, but you weren't always that person. Oh, God, so no. <laughs> how long did it take you to get to where you are? And the second part of this question is like, when did you know? Was it like when you were in the military? Was it when you left, left, went to college? When did you start to feel like that the fact that the cage was open? Awesome question. So here's the thing. There's no there, there. There's no finish line. So when you say, when did you get? So I would just say the answer to that is a lifetime. Mm. My whole life. And, it, and I'm still going. I still work with mentors as much as I mentor hundreds of other men. I still work with my mentor, Rob. And there, and I just, it's just bigger and bigger and better and better is all we keep saying. Bigger, bigger, more, more, better, better. That's it. So, but for me, where I found it was when I was young, you know, like you said, mom was afraid of the beast. And this is a big thing in my life. And I'm sure there are some men who can relate to this where the feminine around me was scared of my beast Uh right and now we can see this in society now when people talk about toxic masculinity Uh masculinity is not toxic it's when men don't know how to express it properly and it comes from the limiting side of our warrior Uh so the positive you know empowering side of our warrior like i mentioned before is like bold courageous leader adventurer 
you know, guardian, steward, all these wonderful things. But the limiting side of our warrior is overbearing, bully, abusive, overly aggressive, inconsiderate, all of those things. Uh -huh. That's the side that, yeah, it's, it's less than ideal. It's limiting. The, the, the women around me, especially my mom, would see, like, when I would start to tap into that beast, especially when I got past puberty and started getting bigger, uh -huh. right? And I was bigger than she was. It would scare her. And I could see, like, if I got firm and was like, listen, this is what, and that, she'd get scared. And I started tapping it down, like, man, this is wrong. Something's wrong. That's what didn't feel right to me. That's was that, that wild side of me was in. So it was when I got to college and I mentioned that I got involved in martial arts, I met some great men. Now, I don't know if you've ever done martial arts, anyone listening has ever done it, but there's a lot of talk about discipline and respect and, you know, honoring the ranks of those above you. And I went, oh man, I get it. And these are some good men and they're teaching me and they're pouring their knowledge and wisdom and experience into me. I get it. You know, and then I got, you know, in college, I was in a fraternity and you have alumni and these men that have graduated who come back and help the undergrads. And I'm like learning from them. My biggest regret, and you mentioned the military, is that I didn't serve. Uh, I went right from college. I got a job offer my senior year of college. And, and again, it was all mom would, would hear about no military. You're going to college. You're a smart kid. Go to college. And I got out and got a job, but I, I do a lot of work with military, military organizations, veterans, veterans groups. And there's that as well. It's the honor and the awe and the admiration of these men. And wow, what can I learn from you? You've been in battle or you've been in the military. You've experienced it. What, what can I integrate from you, uh -huh. get from you? So along that path is where I kind of got into that and realized, okay, so learning from the martial artists, learning from the military guys, learning from alumni who had, you know, got out and had really succeeded in business. That beast that I'm feeling, that part of me, that warrior side, well, shit, that's good. Hmm. I just haven't been channeling it the right way. I was channeling it in anger and rage and tearing down and acting out and being a jackass and all of that. When this is what I could have done to, you know, beautiful side of my masculinity. And so that's been a ongoing growth from that time, seeking out really good role models, seeking out really good men uh, and women too. I've had role models and, and, and mentors that were, that were women uh -huh. um, who very successful and I learned a lot from. So it's being open and willing and just absorbing whatever you can. Uh -huh. And I think my, my best part, if I could just tell the story quick. Um, so when I was a journalist and I was writing, I had to interview a lot of celebrities, a lot of athletes, a lot of musicians, artists, very successful people. And <laughs> at the time I hadn't really been, you know, at the stage where I'm at now, I hadn't had the growth to where I am now. And this was back in the beginning of being a journalist. And they would say, Eric, you got to go interview so-and-so. And I'm like, part of me is wow, that's a fucking movie star, famous guy or a big business guy or CEO. But I would say 90% of me was like, well, fuck that guy. Screw that. I hate him. He must've done something. There's no way he made all that money or that success, you know, uh, legitimately or in integrity or whatever it is. He must've done yada, yada. I, and I wanted to tear him down. 
-hmm. And I could see where like a lot of my interview, a lot of my articles were like, what can I find like the chink in this guy's armor so that I can write the story. And really I say, it's really, it was about, I didn't feel very good about myself Mm -hmm. at the time. Right. So I was really tearing down to make myself feel better and fill this hole in here that was like, "Eh, I really don't like myself very much. I'm not happy where I am. That guy is, so I'm going to tear him down. I'm going to make it look like, you know what I mean? You can feel that. There's so much of that in our society these days. And what I was taught by my mentor, and he was taught by men who fought with Patton in World War II. He was men who were, you know, honorable cattle ranchers who did multi-million dollar deals on a handshake. And what he taught me was honoring the success and the achievements and the greatness in other men. Being in awe of it, being in, you know, appreciating it. And then it got to like, SA, man, you got a great podcast. You got these businesses going. You're doing really well. I want to get, first of all, great, man, all honor to you. But I want to know more about you, how you got there. What can I learn from you? And, and for me, once that flip, that switch flipped, life changed. Huh. Life changed because it was like, wow, man, I'm going to get to interview this guy. I'm going to ask him some really good questions. And then I, and I'm sure you've done this yourself in the podcast. You're interviewing somebody. You're like, holy shit, I'm going to take that on for me. I'm going to integrate that into my life. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Right. So that, that really was what it was for me. And it's, like I said, it's an ongoing thing. I tell guys all the time, Uh you know, this thing, you know, the warrior lover, King hero stuff. It's like golf. Simple to understand. But it could take a lifetime to master and good. It should take a lifetime to master because you're just going to get better and better and better at golf. You're going to become a better and better and better, bigger, stronger, more amazing king over your life. And that's really what it's about. How much more can I get? How much bigger can I get? How much more greatness and fulfillment and love can I feel Uh in my king? So that's really what it is for me. So, I mean, I think I think you and I, we, we share so many different similarities from like the design background. Um, my mom was just like your mom, kind of like trying to hold me back at all, every given time because I was her only child and wanted just to see me live. And I just wanted to live my life. So I definitely understand that. And to your point about martial arts and like my first martial art that I took up was Taekwondo back in Brooklyn. So finding that mentor and finding those opportunities to take the anger and the aggression and being more of a wild child out on a bag or jumping and just training. Cause to, to your point, I mean, like in my adolescence, I was a wild child and I was just trying to figure out what to do with all the abundance of energy. And I knew my cage was open, but nobody else knew that their cage was open. So I was the only person running around doing ape shit things and being looked at as like, he's absolutely out his damn mind. In reality, it was just, I needed an outlet. Right. So like my next question is kind of like coming from that background, you know, both my parents were, you know, essentially more like the white and blue collar workers. They weren't entrepreneurs. So my question for you is like, you're an entrepreneur now. Like, did that come from an ancestor? Did you have anyone in your upbringing that you were kind of looking and em- emulating to a certain extent? Yeah. Um, for me, it was a little different than you. It's funny you say, you know, cages, you're the only one that knew the door was open. And that's the important thing is, you know, I've got guys all the time that are like, golden handcuffs. Oh, I work at this company. They're paying me well. I wish I could start my own company. It's like, brother, the cage door is open. Like you're the only one putting yourself in that cage. Uh You're the only one saying I can't do it because I have this safety net of a paycheck every week. Um, 
for me, I didn't have a lot of, like I said, positive male role models mm -hmm. growing up. My, my dad worked for a company. He was great at it, but he gave up his dream in college. Um, he wanted to be, uh, a radio announcer, television radio. He majored in radio and television when he was young in college. And he had to quit after his first year, freshman year, because my grandfather got sick hmm. and they owned a candy store, like a, like in back in the fifties, like a soda fountain candy hmm. store up in, <clears throat> in New York. And my dad had to quit and go work there till they could wind that business down. And then he got a job at Bloomingdale's and he ended up working 30 years for Bloomingdale's. Uh, in retail. And I could, I mean, he loved it. He was great at it, but I could tell it wasn't what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I, that was one thing I always looked at that and went like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Right. And I've always had this thing, I think just deep down inside that I'm sovereign. And the definition of sovereign being there is no one above you. Mm -hmm. And anytime I've worked in a company where I had a less than ideal, someone above me, I couldn't wait to get out. I was like, nope, I want to do it my way, right? If I had a great manager, a great boss, a great leader, I was like, no, I want to stay here and learn as much as I can from them. But I think ultimately for me, it was, I wanted no cage of any time. Like I got to the point in my life where it was, I don't want a cage. And, and that cage could even be, even if I had my own business, was I was a slave to that business 10, 12 hours a day. If I'm going to do it 10, 12 hours a day, I want it to be something I love. Like I did two podcast interviews yesterday, a client call and a bunch of other things. I had client calls this morning. I'm doing this with you. Like this isn't work, man. This is, you know, this is part of my business, but I love this. This to me is, is uncaged, right? So for me, it was, what can I create? And if, and if there are no boundaries, and I can do anything that I want, and I can lean into some of my talents, my passions, uh, my what I feel my purpose is in life, then I'm going to create something around all of that. And you know what? If I make a dollar, I make a dollar, right? If I make a million, I make a million because money is, is no longer like points on a scoreboard to me. It's what's the impact I'm making? What's the influence I have? What? Who am I moving forward? And I give myself an intention every day is I want to move at least one person forward every day. Mm -hmm. And then I, I know I did what I'm here to do. And so for me, it was, what can I create as, you know, as an entrepreneur, call it entrepreneurship to be my own sovereign boss, to use, you know, your terms mm -hmm. and do what I love doing and make an impact, make a difference, be an inspiration. And so that's what I've done. And then I, and that's why, Every day I get up and I'm like, cool, I get to do this again. Right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, I mean, I, I think that that's a hell of, of, of a, a state of mind to be in. And it's 100% mindset, right? Mm -hmm. And again, like with your background, the way you was growing up and then where you are right now, how do you kind of utilize both hemispheres, right? Not being too overprotective, but being overprotective enough to let them at least know that the world is crazy out there, but take risks. So how do you take that information and how are you using that for like your family life to now? Like, how are you juggling like your work life with your family life balance with that included? Yeah, I always call it instead of work-life balance, I call it work-life integration. Mm -hmm. They have to work together, right? And this, a lot of the men that I work with one-on-one -on -one is, they have, they're out of balance, right? They don't have that integrated. It's not like it's work and it's home. 
And I tell them, you know, if you look at warrior, lover, king, let's just take those three. And you got to integrate your warrior and your lover and become the king. A lot of guys can do that at work, right? Or they're just warrior at work in their, in their business. They're just full on warrior. And that may work for them. And it gets them where they need to be. But you can't do that at home. You can't be a warrior at home, boss your wife around, boss your kids around. The flip side of that is you can't be full on warrior or king at work, come home and just be like lover all the time. Because that, that gets perceived as weak. There's got to be that leadership, that guardianship, that feeling I tell guys of safety and security that comes from the warrior. But they also want to feel loved and appreciated and adored and all of that. So you got to balance those two. And that's what we work to do. And that's the king. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's always been really looking at that all the time. Am I coming from my warrior, leading from my warrior mm -hmm. and supporting with my lover in both sides of my life, with my business, with my clients, with people that I meet for the first time, with my family, with my girlfriend, with even her kids, right? Am I showing up leading as the warrior and really fully, fully supporting my lover? And as long as you can get into that, you can integrate the both sides of your life. And when I do these workshops and talks, uh, I've had it, especially from women, uh, I'm, I'm doing another talk coming up here soon. And it was someone hired me who was an attendee at one that I gave. And she said, that warrior lover king, and when I do it with women, it's warrior lover king or queen, depending on if it's a mixed group. She said, I started using that immediately. And she goes, what I loved about it was I use it at my office and I use it at home with my family. And it works just as well. And I don't have to be different people. I can be different versions slightly, but I can still just be the queen at work and be the queen at home. And it works. So that to me is, you know, work life, that balances it. If you integrate it, that balances it. And you can be in integrity all the time and be the same person. And that's really what we want to strive for, right? Not changing this, getting into this one, getting into that one. I think that's what really works for a lot of people, especially the ones that I work with. I get to see the example, the, the, the result of doing that. But does it make sense for you? Does that kind of... Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely it definitely makes sense. I mean, it, it kind of leads me to, I mean, obviously, the way you're defining it, 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 it it's free form, but it's structured, right? So, and it just seems like you're a very structured individual, but you live an amazing life. So my next question is like, what kind of structure do you have on a day-to-day? -day? Like, what does your morning routines look like? Yeah, great. Uh, you know, it's interesting. So when you said structure, for me, I wrote down a note here while we were talking story, mm -hmm. right? So the warrior, lover, king, hero archetypes really come out of Jungian psychology and Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, mm -hmm. right? Which is, we're familiar with that story structure, which is why it resonates with us. So for me, it's about writing your story every day. So my morning routine really for me is, you know, get up, just do something relaxing, breathe a little bit. I might read, you know, something I love to read still carry over from my days of having to sit quietly as a kid. I love reading. So I'm, I'll read for a little while, have my coffee. My girlfriend will get up. We'll have coffee together. We'll have conversation. And then I do my practice. So my practice is about a half hour of meditation. And I do a very yang meditation. So it's yin and yang. So there's stillness and dynamism, heavy breathing, movement, and stillness. I do about a half hour of that, and then I will do my intentions for the day. Uh -huh. It's whatever I'm feeling for that day. So not only what kind of things, some people call them affirmations. Uh -huh. I, I like the term intentions. That's what my mentor uses because it's more direct. Like this is my intention. I'm doing this. 
So my girlfriend and I may do them together. She'll have her intentions. I'll have my intentions. We have some some intentions for our, ourselves together. And then I set, what, what's my intention for today? Always move somebody forward. And then what do I want to accomplish today? What are the top five things I want to accomplish today? And then my daily five. So I write those daily five out and I make sure I get through those five over the day. And then that's it. And then everything else is filler for that. Uh-huh. But I know if I've gotten my practice done, my meditation practice done, got my intention set and get those five things done, it's a winning day, man. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously you brought up a hell of a point and it kind of segues into this, this next question structure about you're a reader and you're a writer. You've been reading and writing your entire life. You got paid for writing when people dream about getting paid for writing. So with that, right, like in, in, in the journey that you've been on so far, is there a book or a couple books that you recommend when you do your expeditions or something that you remember reading back then that could be very useful for someone today? Yeah, you know, it's fascinating. I have, I have guys recommend books to me all the time. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, we have a thing outside of the Boldman Adventures, we have the Boldman Brotherhood. And it's a peer-to-peer mentoring group. Guys get together virtually online once a week for an hour. And part of that is I have like a reading list, like, you know, books. And then we also have like a media list, great movies, you know, things that are inspiring that really teach about the archetypes and, and men who've stepped into their king. And guys will suggest them and we'll add them to the list. But I always caution them. You know, reading is great, and I'm a big reader. I love it. And if I can take away one little nugget from each book, that's awesome. But experience is really the thing. So, like, you know, you want to read a book about Texas? That's great. You want to watch a movie about Texas? Or you want to look at pictures of Texas? That's awesome. But you ain't been to Texas. You got to go to Texas, stand there, you know, and, and, and experience everything it has to offer. And then you can speak from Texas. So all of that being said, um, some really good books that I like, I like the obstacle is the way, uh-huh. um, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name, the author, uh, but just the obstacle is the way is a great one for that. I loved, uh, Tim Ferriss's, um, uh, not, not tools. Was it, was it tools of Titans? I think it was tools of Titan where he takes all the best stuff from all his podcasts, all the guys he interviewed, all the people he interviewed. It was just like little quick hits of all the top wisdom. Uh That's a great book. I got, I, I think I highlighted the whole book, right? Those two for me are really great. A lot of these books, um, on, you know, how to tap into your warrior, take those individually. A lot of them haven't helped me. What's helped me is mentorship, finding the men who have achieved what it is I want to achieve and learning from them. And then, you know, of course, my next book is Lions Raised as Lambs, which is literally the story of guys like us being raised as lambs, pushing down that lion part of us, and then unleashing that lion in the right way. So it's a guidebook for that. So I would recommend those three. And so it's a new book, right? I mean, obviously that, that was going to be my next question. I mean, obviously okay. I love the title of it, right? I mean, lions raised by lambs. And that's what we're talking about. Essentially, you know, you're being in a cage that's unlocked. And that, that's a, a great analogy by using that title. And yeah. you're saying you're going to drop it in October. When can someone expect it? And again, who is the ideal individual person that you think should read that book? Yeah, thanks for that. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be dropping in late October of this year. And um, so Lions Raised as Lambs is really, 
it's my story. It's your story. Mm -hmm. The guys who are reading this book are the ones who can relate to, yeah, man, I've always felt like I had that inside of me, mm -hmm. but either because of society, because of my family, because of people that were close to me, I felt this need to kind of hide it, mm -hmm. tamp it down, um, deny that it was there. But now I can understand, I can, I, can, I can tap into this side of me in a positive way. And it actually is beneficial to everybody around me, mm -hmm. right? It benefits everyone around me, and especially the women in my life. So it's about the more you tap into that lion, become your king, the women around you can relax in, into their divine queen. Because we want to be here, right? Equal. We don't want to be one over the other, one tearing the other one down. So it's for the men who understand that and want to go, I want to be the best man. I can be fully expressed mm -hmm. as a man. And I don't really understand how, and I haven't taken that journey, but I can feel that part of me that knows it's there. That's the guy that it's for, which seems to be a lot of us from the conversations I have with men. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have felt that like, I don't, especially younger men today, man, I will tell you, I talk to a lot of younger men and, and they've just resigned themselves. They've just given up. They're like, I don't want to be seen as toxic, so I don't do anything aggressive, but then they think I'm weak and I don't know how to express it the right way. And so I don't even want to approach a woman to ask her on a date or tell her I think she's beautiful because then she might think, you know, I'm, I'm coming at it from the right. And they just said, screw it. And then they're just huh. on the couch, smoking pot, watching, you know, playing video games and watching uh, Netflix. That's it. I get a lot of men to tell me that. So this will give you kind of an insight into that as well. Um, the book will give you an insight into that. And it's for those men as well. But it really is. It's, you know, Rob and I wrote it together. My mentor and I wrote it together. It's told my story in the beginning. And then it's told as a parable, an actual lion raised by lambs. Huh. And how he finds this mentor lion who takes him through all the archetypes that we talk about. And the other part of my work, which is the sacred seven core values, which are courage, honesty, integrity, commitment, duty, honor, and love. And how if you live those and buy those in your life, you become a great man, a great king, mm -hmm. a great lion. And so it tells it along the lines in that story, because we can all relate to parables. Parables have been used for centuries, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible uses parables. The myths use parable. So we decided to do it that way and do the, the story of how a young man, the only way you can achieve that greatness is the guidance and mentorship of another great man huh. who has walked the path before you. Huh. So that's really what the book is for. So anyone looking for that, it's a great opener into that. And then of course, we, you know, we, we give you the opportunity to know about the brotherhood, know about the, the adventure trips, know about some other stuff. So you're not just reading and then, then you're lost. It's not on. There is a, a small army of men out there who feel the same way you do, and you can connect with those guys and, and become part of that huh. and have that support system behind you. So yeah. I, I think I think the way you define the book, and obviously we're both visual people, we're both designers by trade. So when I hear the way you define that book, now I'm going to kind of like re-illustrate it to, to something that's common for someone to kind of visualize what you're talking about. Sure. Like if you were to take The Lion King, the cartoon, and mm -hmm. rewrite it about real people and put real people in that situation. That's what your book visually sounds like to me. And if, yeah. if, you, if you could kind of think about the Lion King, the Lion King, you know, his dad got killed and he essentially was raised by other animals. He right, exactly. Not the lion. By the pack, right? He wasn't, yes. and then he had to learn by 
becoming an enemy of another lion, and that lion essentially raised him into becoming a lion because he had to face that 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 encounter. So it's like your book is is essentially a representation of humanity being represented as the Lion King and going through these different layers to get sure. to that level to break out of that cage. That's just me yeah. visualizing. Sure, and, and listen, you're not you're not far off. It's a familiar story, right? So we've seen it. We want to use lions and lambs because look, it's mentioned throughout mythology, the Bible, all these things, lions and lambs, and what they represent in lion being the king, and because our mm-hmm. archetype, the ultimate is the king. But I always joke when people ask me about that, I always go, yeah, it's kind of like the Lion King. If it was written by like Wyatt Earp and John Wayne and the U.S. <laughs> Marines, and you know, all, and they, they told the story, yeah. that's what it would be. So it's, it's really formatted for the, for the male, for the men that want to tap in more into their masculinity. Mm-hmm. Lion King is a great story, and it's kind of cute. But this is more like, hey, man, you got to tap into the society that's a killer. Yeah. You're a lion. You have that killer inside of you, and you got to accept that. Yeah. That's in the book. Also, he falls in love. So it's got to be that passion, that purpose, finding your queen. Mm-hmm. But all of this in the context of this other great lion who's achieved all of this is the one guiding you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think has been missing in that Lion King. But if you look at a lot of myths and you look at a lot of legends and you look at Star Wars, let's just take Star Wars, right? Because we mentioned George Lucas. He had a, that great quote about we're all living in cages with the door uh, uh, open. Yep. Is He was actually a huge fan of Joseph Campbell and the, and the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And he used that in his story, mm-hmm. right? So when you look at Star Wars, it has that structure where... Luke Skywalker doesn't become, I, I, I always start arguments. I did this, I started this argument on social media and I do it when I go to workshops. Mm-hmm. Who's the hero of Star Wars? Everybody goes, well, Luke Skywalker, yeah, whatever. They might say, oh, some say Princess Leia. Okay, get it. Some want to say Han Solo. But, but to me, the hero is Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda because they guided Luke Skywalker. And if he had not been guided by them, he would not have become the great Jedi. So they had to guide him, Mm -hmm. help him become the great Jedi that he was. So they're a hero in a way of their story because they fulfilled their purpose Mm -hmm. in creating this great hero. And so that's why I say to men is you've got to find that great hero, that great mentor that doesn't have to be one. It could be many in your life that can guide you because men, this is ancient and proven. All the ancient warriors, all these warrior cultures, all these successful cultures was the men further along in the path guided the younger men into manhood. And we've lost that. So that's why we did it this way. And that's why, and and listen, at the end of every chapter of this book is an exploration because experience Look at this character. Who did they remind you of? Did you feel that in your own childhood? Did you see what this character was doing to it? What did that bring up for you? How would you do it? That's really the exploration. So, um, yeah, that, that's why we, we, we know it's just going to work incredibly. And the guys that have seen it already are like, that's a great way for me to learn this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think definitely this is the depiction of it. I mean, obviously, like you're, you're talking about Lion King wearing camo and, and, and still walking around <laughs> with roses in his hand, right? Walking yeah. around with multicam. But I mean, I think your analogy of, of Star Wars is definitely a phenomenal one because when you really think about it, right? Uh, Obi-Wan failed at Luke's dad, right? He Correct. Failed. He, he failed. Great point. Great point. He failed. And then, you know, Yoda 
kind of felt bad because Yoda kept telling him to raise and do what he needed to do. And then he ends up raising the son of the person that Obi-Wan lost. Yeah. And, and look at how he did it better. So that, that yeah. goes back to my talk about these battle scars and these mm-hmm. quote unquote mistakes, failures, screw ups in, in my book. And we, we do this in my work in, in, in my book, you know, there's a W column and an L column and it's not wins and losses. It's wins and learns mm. lessons. What did I get from that? Because if I can take what I thought was a mistake, thought was a loss, and I can find the lesson in it that I won't repeat, mm-hmm. that'll move me forward faster than it becomes a win. Mm-hmm. Right? So I see that when you're talking about Obi-Wan and he failed with Anakin, mm-hmm. he went way to the dark side, but what he learned from that allowed him to create the great Jedi and Luke. He did. Had he denied those mistakes and not wanted to look at them and been like, no, 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 that, that didn't really happen, Yoda. I didn't, you know, it, it was cool. It was fine. He did that on his own. He might have repeated it again. He had to own that, look at that, take the lessons from that, and then he could create better. So I think that's a spectacular analogy for our own lives yeah. and who we are as our own heroes. So let's just take, let's just put a little bit onto that, right? Like, like just, just peel this onion back. So we're talking about these analogies, right? And, and again, the listeners listening and they're like, they, they should be amped up. Your heart should be beating out your fucking chest. If it's not, then you should be in a coffin, right? So your heart's beating out your chest and you're listening to Eric and you're just like, oh my God, I just want him to give me a, a couple sentences of words of insight. I want him to be my Yoda right now. What words of wisdom would you give to that individual person to help them continue on their journey? Wow, I love that. And I love that you said wisdom because I, there's a great quote. And again, I say this again, my girlfriend gets on me about this because it was a quote by an author and I use it almost daily. So I, I got to get to where I can just memorize the guy's name. So I apologize for not knowing his name. Uh, but the quote is beautiful and it is this, it is knowledge comes from learning. Wisdom comes from living. So looking at the two, and so I always say, um, and I like I said, I do a lot of work with veterans groups, military, and I always go, look, man, if I said this to you, uh, if you want somebody who either has knowledge or wisdom, it's if you're out on a battlefield, would you want the commanding officer next to you to be a guy who's never been on a battlefield before, but he's read a lot of books about it, mm-hmm. he's watched a lot of you know in- instructional videos on it. Or would you want that grizzled, battle-scarred, you know, veteran guy who's been through a bunch of these, which one would you want by your side? Mm-hmm. And I know which one it is for me, and it's me. It's the guy who has the experience, has been there, has the wisdom. So knowledge is great. Nothing wrong with knowledge, right? To me, knowledge is up from here in the head, but wisdom comes from the heart. It is that experience. So the one tip I would say, as often as you can, Come from wisdom. Get as much wisdom and experience as you can. Read all the books you want. Talk to as many people as you want. Get the experience. Get the mentor. Get outside. Go do some stuff. Jump into the unknown with both feet uh, because that that wisdom is not only going to be valuable to you, but you're going to be able to pass that along down the line. Wisdom is generational, Uh right? You know, you're going to get it. I got it from... He got it from his mentors. He passed it to me and I pass it to you. Then you're going to pass it to your people. It just flows through generations. Keep on the wisdom track because wisdom is lived. Yeah, I think that that, that's beautifully said. So 
with them listening, right? And again, if your heart's not pumping, get up, jump up, get on your DM feed, start moving. How do they get in contact with you? Is it through your social media profiles, your website? How do, how does someone listening get in contact with you? Yeah, man, both. And I always say, get a hold of me. Don't, you know, get this whole like, oh, you know, I've had people tell me before, like, well, I didn't want to bother you. I didn't want to, uh-huh. you know, I felt like I couldn't. I answer all my own shit. So don't, you know, you're going to get me. So if you go on social media, I'm the only Eric Rogel on Facebook on Instagram and in LinkedIn. Those are my, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn are my top ones. I like LinkedIn a lot because it's for professionals and I tend to get a lot more guys who are like tapped in. They're like, yeah, I'm ready, Uh right? I find them on LinkedIn. And then there's ericrogel.com. Just go there and it'll have links out to all my stuff and you can get on a list. You can get information from me. You can jump on a call with me one-on-one if you want to just go through some of this stuff, what's going on in your own life. Uh Um, Happy to do that too. So any of my social media or ericrogel.com and, and, and reach out, be bold, be courageous, reach out to me. Very cool. Very <laughs> cool. So, I mean, at one point in time, right, you, you were a, a podcaster and I, and I had an opportunity to listen to some of some of your work and the one episode that stood out to me, I think you made this statement and it was like that one statement embodies what I'm doing with this podcast. And your statement was generational impact of goals. Mm-hmm. And when you said that shit, I was just like, this motherfucker's talking to me. <laughs> yeah. He has to be talking to me. So I just want to like talk about that for a minute. I mean, obviously on your podcast, you had some like very influential people mm-hmm. and the particular episode I'm talking about, you had someone that his, his grandfather murdered a cop. Oh he, yeah. 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 Cause the oh, cop had story, raped his yeah. mom and, and he went through all that drama and he be, he became uh, still became a millionaire in the end. Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously, you're talking about the king's journey, right? So, I want you to kind of like, like, talk about like your podcasting for a little bit. I mean, like, first of all, like, why did you stop doing it? And two, like, what are you doing to replace it? Because I think you had a really good concept. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And you know, it's it became you know, so the 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 title of the the podcast is Eric Rogel talks to warriors, lovers, kings, and heroes, which is the work. And I would talk to men about their story. And tell me the journey of how you became the man you are today. Mm-hmm. The guy you're talking about, great guy. His name escapes me at the moment. I can picture him, but uh, it was yes. His, 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 what's that? First name was Nelson. Yes, Nelson. Yep. Uh, great guy. And 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 you're like you said, he became a multimillionaire in spite of everything. And he, he grew up in a town where his name was notorious. Mm-hmm. So even his last name was known because yeah, his grandfather murdered a cop, and then you find out that the reason his grandfather murdered the cop was because the cop raped his underage daughter who was nelson's mother and he was the product of that Mm -hmm. so he had that stigma his whole life of he was the kid that this you know notorious court case and murder and rape in our town and oh you're the guy like that was all through his life and it becomes generational impact on the negative side that way you can feel that but when you can turn that around and you take and and, and to nelson's infinite credit He looked at it and said, I'm not going to let this shit define me. Uh-huh. I'm not going to let this shit take me down. I'm going to turn my own name around so that my kids and my grandkids don't go through what I did. Brilliant. And it is, we don't realize a lot of the time the, the impact that we have. Uh-huh. So like you said, the podcast, and I haven't done it in a while. And, and listen, I'm going to be brutally honest. It's because I haven't had the time. Uh-huh. I really just haven't had the time. It was taking up a lot of my time to do it. I really want to get it back. And I'm going to bring it back in, in tell me your story, but I want the wisdom of 
your biggest mentor. And then we're going to make it like really punchy and impactful. Still great people, still great stories and all of that. So I appreciate what you're saying. But that's the honest truth. It just it got to where I had so many other things going on. That went down the priority list. Now feel this. So I'm feeling right now, here's this great guy, you, successful guy, telling me how much impact the podcast had on you. And now I'm looking at it like, wow, man, I'm letting people down. So I'm just feeling that right now for myself. I'm letting people down by not having that out there and having these guys be able to tell their stories because it did impact you. And so what generation, what generational impact is being lost now because of that? And I always tell people, like, I have people come up to me and tell me, man, I heard you, you know, you talked to, you know, uh, one of the big ones was, was uh, Paul Tuttle, uh, Paul Sr. from uh, Orange County Choppers, from the American Choppers uh, reality show. Interviewed him, and he said some beautiful things. And, um, you know, I look at that, and I'm like, he talks about what went on with him and his son, which was a big storyline on the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, here's a great guy. He impacted me. And a lot of people say, man, I listened to Paul. I couldn't believe it. I never knew the guy like that. I only knew what I saw on television. I didn't believe like the, the size of this man's heart is bigger than anyone. You, he's a big, burly biker fucking dude, and I would never <laughs> mess with him. But he also has one of the biggest hearts I've ever experienced. And, you know, for, for me, it's, it's looking at the impact that we make we don't even realize we're making. And I've had people come to me and tell me like, oh man, I've been following, I read something you wrote 10 years ago. And I'm like, what? I don't even remember writing that. The impact that it has. So I tell people all the time, you know, when I do my work, for me, it's, I got to be living as a man of integrity. Always, right? Like I said, we have the sacred seven, courage, honesty, integrity, commitment, duty, honor, and love. And I, and I try to live those every day. That's my intention to live those every day. And part of that is because if I'm not living in integrity, uh-huh. that has the negative generational impact. Uh-huh. When I'm living as integrity as I can be, and I'm being an example, and I'm mentoring other men, and I'm doing it from experience and from who I really am being, not just a book reporter. I call that like some of the gurus out there, book reporters, like they read a bunch of books on a subject. They didn't live it. Now they're teaching it. For me, it's no, everything in that book, Lions Raised in Lam- as Lambs, it was supposed to come out three years ago and we didn't finish it because I hadn't lived enough of it yet. Mm. And I literally could not put the book out unless I could look you in the eye and say, essay, I lived everything in that book. I lived that journey beginning to end. Mm-hmm. That's why it's coming out. So for me, I, I look at that every day and say, I have to live as the example my best version of King for me. Cause I tell all the guys I work with, don't be me. You can't be me. I can't be my mentor, Rob. I can never be him. I wasn't raised the way he was raised. I didn't have his experiences, but he's his version of King. I'm my version of King. You're your version of King, all King, all excellent, all beautiful. But as my King, I want it to be an example of how other men may want to say, wow, man, I want to take some of that. Uh-huh. That's the generational impact, and that's the thing that it's in the back of my head every single day. So let's continue down that road. I mean, I love that that, that you went in that direction because, like, my next question, based upon what you just said, is you have so many life achievements, right? And, and, and I look at you from a standpoint to, like, once you get into what you love doing, then things just compound and, and, and life just happens as it should. Absolutely. But, right, for you, what is your most significant achievement to date? 
Wow. That's, that's a really interesting question. I would say for me, yeah, you know what it is? You know, I'm, I'm looking back on things like the, my first black belt and graduating college and, you know, those kind of things. And those are great. But I think for me, when you're looking at purpose, I think the greatest achievement is ongoing. Like when I hear from men, like when I get on a call with a guy who I'm coaching or, you know, working one-on-one with, or a guy who is on one of the trips and I, and I get an email that just says, man, that just changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like literally saved my life. And I know it's going to change the life of my kids mm-hmm. because of who I'm being now. To me, there is no greater achievement. There, there just can't be. I mean, um, you know, if, if you're, an athlete and your goal, your whole life's goal is to win a championship and you do it, man, there's no greater feeling than that. For me, not an athlete, professional athlete, there is no championship. For me, the championship, the hall of fame is when somebody I'm working with their life turns around, Uh they start living their purpose and they move forward. And that's what it is for me. So for me, that would be the greatest achievement. And I, to me, that's heroic, right? So in the, in the archetypes going from king to hero, hero is when you drop doing for yourself and your immediate kingdom, and you do for others just from your heart, just altruistically. Um, and to me, stepping into hero, anytime I've been able to step into that genuinely hero, make a difference in someone else's life, there, there is no greater achievement to me. So it would be that. And, and for me, fortunately, I get to do that on a regular basis. Because of the decisions I've made. It's huh. a great answer. Great answer. So that kind of leads me to like some, some bonus, bonus. Stuff. Like we're in a bonus round right now. I mean, I was, awesome. if we're running out of time, you just let me know. But I, I think at this point in time, I think we should just, just, just keep pushing it and, and, and kind of get this question out the way. Right. So yep, I just looked and I'm like, I got time, brother. Keep rolling. This is fun. I love this stuff. You can tell I live for this. This is yeah. no place I'd rather be. Nothing I'd rather be doing. Perfect. So my next question, and I was considered this like one of my signature questions, right? Because again, everyone's uniquely different in, in answering this. And again, you're an individual. So if you could spend 24 hours with anyone, that person could be someone that's dead or alive, and you could yeah. be uninterrupted for 24 hours, who would it be and why? Oh, I got, I got one that just, I mean, I don't have to think about it, just pops. And it's, um, uh, I got to tell you, for me, I think it's Walt Disney, mm. right? Now, you're a creative guy. I'm a creative guy, right? But Walt, let me tell you, Walt was a visionary and creative like no other, but Walt was also a motherfucker. <laughs> you want to talk about a guy who was tapped into his warrior mm. as well as that creative lover heart side? Mm. Walt couldn't have built Walt Disney uh, Studios, Walt Disney World, any of the themes, yeah. none of it. Unless he had that warrior, that beast inside of him. So, you know, I, I just admire and revere the man. And every time I go to one of the parks, and I live in South Florida, so I have the ability to go to Walt Disney World on a whim. Uh, and you walk around and there's like, you know, if they're doing construction, they have the construction walls up and they'll have quotes from, from Walt. And I'll read them and I'll just feel it. Like sometimes I want to bring tears to my eyes. I get emotional. But the thing for me is like, you know, he talks about how, why he built Disney World, you know, Disneyland, Disney World, why he got into the parks. And he said his father took him to the World's Fair. And he just, the feeling that he had at the World's Fair, he was like, why can't people experience this anytime they want to? Mm. 
And so he had that vision. And the other part that gets me is he was dying of cancer while they were building Walt Disney World here in Orlando. And he knew he wasn't going to live to see it finished, but fuck it. It needed to be built. Mm -hmm. Get it done. Here's my vision. Here's what's going to happen. And after I'm gone, make sure this thing happens. I'm like mind blown by this guy. So for me, it was someone who had such incredible vision. I mean, think about it. What part of our lives, you know, oh, no, I shouldn't say it that way. What person do you know doesn't have at least one part of their life got impacted by something he created? Well, as of today, I would think that there isn't one because he own they own everything now. They own everything now, right? Yeah, yeah they yeah. own everything now. They own everything now. But even back in the day, before it became like the juggernaut that it is now, think about like everybody knew Mickey Mouse in worldwide. Everybody yeah. knew Mickey Mouse. Everybody had a story about Mickey Mouse. Everybody had a story about going to Disney when they were a kid. Everybody mm -hmm. had a story about watching a movie and getting something, and how you know like. Shit, man, it could have been anything. Lady in the Tramp. I think when I was a little kid, my mom took me to see Lady in the Tramp. And I was like, wait, that was the first time I'd ever seen a relationship between a man and a woman. It was two dogs. But I was yep. like, that scene where they're eating spaghetti and the music. And I'm like, wait a minute. It blew my mind as a little kid. And then watching like Peter Pan and Captain Hook and being afraid. And Walt, I mean, to me, was just like such a visionary and a creative, but also such a beast. And he was okay with it. Uh -huh. He was okay with his beast. He knew he had to be in order to make it happen. And that's the side I think people don't really understand. Uh -huh. um, but for me, yeah, man, if I could sit with Walt and just tap into that and integrate whatever I could from him, yeah, I would, uh, I would give almost anything to be able to do that. Well, I think I think the fact that you picked like after listening to this conversation, playing it over and over in my head. Right. And I was like, if it was anyone, if I could guess, I would say it's him just because he represents a generational impact of goals after he died is when all his goals really came to fruition. I mean, to the point to where they are right now, like you said, they, they own Fox, they they own Marvel, they own. Star Wars, Star National Wars. Geographic. I mean, yeah, everything they, they 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 I mean, it's to the point now to where to, to your credit. Who who's there? Who are they not affecting? I mean, obviously, there's Disney World and there's Disneyland and all these different locations, but they're so beyond the Disney World realm now. It's kind of it's a it's a it's a legacy that I would think would outlive the Waltons and everyone else that are, are multi billionaires in the world today. By, yeah, by far. The only other one that I could think of, and it's funny, I'm laughing because I'm looking behind you and I see Darth with the lightsaber and Yoda's behind you, and so yeah, you know, you you love that stuff too, man. I love that stuff. It's you know, and to me, it's comic books and, and and fantasy movies and star wars and all of those to me i love it because it's just story i just get to watch the story and, and feed into the archetypes and what can i take from those archetypes and like you said generation the only other the only other person that comes close for me would be steve jobs on that level of visionary who's going to outlive you know he also passed away but apple is going to outlive everything you know what i mean it's just I'm looking at you on my MacBook Air. I've got my iPhone right next to me and my iPad sitting over here on the table. So, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like he has that too, but it is generational impact. Mm -hmm. It's going to last way long, you know, long, long, long after they're gone. So. Well, well, I'm happy you brought up Steve, right? Because, I mean, Steve is the reason why Pixar is still existing till this day. Right. So it, yep. just, it, it just makes sense. Like those puzzle pieces from generation to generation just work, right? Yep. So. Again, we're talking about brand. We're talking about brand recognition. I mean, Apple logo, anyone, they can see it. They already know what it is. They'll, they'll see Disney, whether it's the castle or Mickey Mouse. 
they'll know what it is. Even, even the highway. W, the way the wall, you know, the, the lettering, anything. Yeah. Anything, absolutely. right? So my next question is, is about your brand. Okay. You're wearing mm-hmm. your hat right now for the people that mm-hmm. are watching. Like, what is the story? And you, as a designer that, that does logos and does branding, I know there has to be a damn story behind it or you wouldn't be wearing it as you are right now. So I exactly. want you to kind of embrace that and kind of tell, like, what is the symbolism and, and, and what is the, the, the iconography behind what you're wearing? Yeah, that's right. You know what? I've never been asked that before on a podcast. So kudos to you for being the first one to ask that. And and um, I did wear this on purpose because I know you're a branding guy and, and so am I. When, and it's what here's what's so interesting about this. And this is to me when you know you've got something or you've created something unique. So I designed this to look like something specific. Mm-hmm. But at the end of my workshops, at the end of like the Boldman adventures and guys have been at for, you know, three, four days, and everyone that comes on the adventures gets a hat and a shirt that has a logo on it. I will say to them, what does this mean to you? Mm. Now, to me, I'll just give you my version was seven peaks because I have the, the sacred seven core values. So they each represent one of the core values. So it's a, a reminder that there's seven. Also, in some level, I wanted it to be a torch lighting the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so beyond that, and then you haven't done the work and you haven't been on a trip, but do you see anything else there? Because I'm always amazed. I get something unique every time I ask the question. I mean, yeah, I mean, com- coming from like a symbolism standpoint, I mean, yeah. everything you say, I, I definitely clearly see. I also see, you know, overcoming the mountain and, and, and standing yeah. on, on the Plymouth Rock. Um, I also see like the, the green symbolizing like the outdoors and uh, essentially you're coming through the wilderness and then to your point, becoming uncaged. Yeah. Hence why that yeah. large peak is in the front. It could be a crown, right? It could also be a crown. Yep. Um, yeah. And again, that's what makes a good brand a good brand when someone that does not know your story start to tell their own stories from that logo. Yeah. One of the ones that I get that I love is I've gotten Phoenix, like a Phoenix rising in flames. And I've also gotten, this is a big one that I love because if you look at the warrior and the lover, a sword going through a book. Mm. Yeah. So the sword being the warrior, the book being the lover, the sword could be the wisdom, the battle scars, and the book is the knowledge, the learning. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wow, I just, I love asking that question because I get so many cool things back. I've gotten some sexual things back from some of the guys, but you know, that's, listen, masculine, feminine, it could be that too. Yeah. But you know, like I said, I had one intention. I wanted it very simple. I wanted it unique. Mm-hmm. But when I get these, this input from the men who have been on the trips, my mind is blown every time. <laughs> very solid. Very solid. Yeah. So like with your trips, I mean, obviously you're, you're talking about trips that are potentially all inclusive and it has to be a particular person to go on these trips. So like, again, you don't have to like tell me the exact number, but like range pricing, like hmm. what's included with these trips and what is someone going to have opportunity to get when they make that investment? Yeah. So we try to keep the trips really affordable. We don't, we don't make them like they're, you know, I've, I've had guys tell me these should be $10,000 trips. Hmm. We keep them around 3000 to 3500 for four days, everything included except for airfare, because mm-hmm. that just becomes, especially these days, you never know what's going on with airfare. Yep. But um, we do that, and it's, it's you know, the, the food, it's the lodging, it's the workshop, which is a big part of it. Uh, you know, where can you get, like, an executive mastermind for three grand for a four-day, you know, week, right? You know what I'm saying? And the kind of stuff that we're pouring into you, plus the, the brotherhood food. The, you know, any, any of the outfitting that we need for whatever happens to be on that trip, white water rafting, zipline, all that stuff's included. Those are for the three, four day trips. We started doing what we're calling it, um, experiences. 
now under the adventures, which are one day. So they could be a half day or a one day. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do them local to where a bunch of the guys are. And that could be like, you know, sport fishing or hunting or, you know, going to a blacksmith forge and making your own knife or hiking. We're going to do a lot of hikes because those are easy. Kayaking, those kind of things. We'll be doing single day ones that guys can do. And those are in the price range of like, you know, under a grand, just a few hundred dollars. And we still give you the workshop part at the beginning. So we're trying to hit that whole range. And then I just got up the phone with one of my guys that I, I work with. I'm planning the trips and he's got this insane trip to Guatemala. We were planning right before the lockdown happened in 2020. We couldn't do it, but it's a seven day trek up the side of a dormant volcano in Guatemala. And that one's going to be, you know, obviously a lot more pricey, Uh Um, but we're trying to work something around with that where we make it part of a mastermind or we make it, you know, part of something else. And we we can kind of keep the cost in line there, but that's going to be more. So we, we try to do that range so that men in any price point can experience it because it is more about getting you moving forward than, you know, making money. I'm not a travel agent. Gotcha. Right? This is, this more with purpose It's travel with purpose. So, I mean, the fact that you, you said that, I mean, obviously in my circles, I used to be a travel agent at one time. So I mm-hmm. have a circle of variable of travel agents. And what you're describing, I always say is kind of like the six star plus, right? It's not necessarily a five star hotel because you're not staying in a hotel. It's more oh. the offbeating path. So mm-hmm. I have someone in mind. So after this call, I'll go ahead and make that connection for you. Because I think you're definitely he, he's, he's you, you're defining exactly what he does. And the only thing he wants to work with is that individual mindset. Yes. So. Going into closing, I always like to give opportunity. You're a fellow podcaster, so now I'm, I'm bringing you back out, right? We're knocking off the dust. You're coming back out. The microphone is yours. The Boston Cage podcast is now your show. You're now the host, and I'm your guest. What questions do you have for me? My biggest question, this is a question I ask all the men, and, man, I appreciate this. I feel comfortable again back behind the, the mic here. I got to, you, you know, you may have just inspired me to really make sure that podcast comes back out soon. But I would say this is the question I ask most uh, people after I give a talk or do a thing is, what did you get out of what I said today? Well, I think, first of all, this is probably the longest episode I've ever recorded. So now I understand like why Joe Rogan has like four hour episodes, right? Because again, (laughs) once the conversation is so synergistic and like you're on the same wavelength and what you're saying just resonates with with anyone, I don't want it to stop. That's why I kept saying, hey, if you don't want to stop, I'm not fucking stopping. (laughs) So I think that you delivered a lot of value. I mean, you deliver a lot of insight. And not only are you delivering it from educational viewpoint you're delivering it from the line standpoint of walking in the damn wilderness hunting down the animals and eating the prey at the same time and again a lot of people they don't have that they're either really book smart or they're really street smart and you're right in the middle you're both equally yeah warrior lover and the thing is when you talk about that stalking the prey getting the prey eating the prey and being okay with that that's the key thing it's being okay with who you are. So for a lot of us, for men, we have that side of us. It's being okay and knowing it's there if we ever need to use it. Uh-huh. Like, I'm not going to use it to go, you know, smack you around. I'm going to use it if someone is doing something they really shouldn't be doing. And now I got to tap into that killer part that's got to come out. Uh-huh. But I need to know it's there. So, I, you know, I get that from what you're saying. You have to embrace those sides of you. So I'm glad that you got that out of it. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the story you told me about the guy, he was bigger than you. And, and obviously, mm-hmm. he was more so having like a mental breakdown. And he, he was using that environment as an outlet. And kudos for you because he felt safe enough 
to say what the hell, guys. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel some kind of way when most guys will not even show that side of them. So right. I mean, that's what I really learned from you. You're making an environment that's safe for men to be men and not be con- captured or be inclusive in a cage, dying to get out when the opportunity's right there in front of them. We want to give men the opportunity to be raw and real, be open and raw and real. So when I do my stuff, it's not recorded. We don't, you know, record any of the stuff that goes on on the adventures. We do video and we tell the guys, hey, we're going to do some video of you doing whatever. But we don't do, um, you know, recording of the brotherhood stuff. We do whatever we can to kind of keep that uh, under wraps. So guys feel comfortable doing whatever they need to do and say whatever they need to say. Because most men, we don't have that opportunity. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. Well, I, I definitely appreciate you being on the show today, man. I mean, you definitely lived up to the title of being the wild man boss Thank you. through and through, man. I definitely appreciate it. Appreciate it. And listen, I appreciate you having me on and giving me the chance to kind of, like you said, pour some value into the guys that are listening, right? And everyone out there that's listening. So appreciate that. I really do. Yeah, I mean, to, to close on that note, I think you're giving more than just value to men because you're giving an mm-hmm. insight to an alternative for females to kind of really understand what men are going through 100% without them having to talk to their men directly 100% that's what it's all about I mean listen we're in this together yeah. men and women we're in this together so it's both of us but to me the more men step up the better it is for everybody mm. yeah well I definitely appreciate you being on the show today man and, and I look forward to when your show comes back up on air it, it, <laughs> I, I want to be the first person on the sign up sheet because again, I, I just love the way you bring you bring it. You bring it every single time. You got it, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Great. Essay Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.